0: There are secrets out there guys performance marketing secrets and knowing just one or two of them can absolutely light up your funnels let's go this is the revenue driven cmo i'm your host chris mechanic join me as i uncover the secrets of the world's most elite cmos and marketing leaders the revenue driven cmo is sponsored by web mechanics the ai driven performance agency that makes you smarter Hey, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, Web Mechanics will do 10 to 20 hours of work for you for free. Literally, no sales calls, no BS. Just give them a problem, and they will put a team to work for you for free for 10 to 20 hours, even if you're already a client. If you're struggling with demand gen, lead gen, SEO, SEM, Google ads, LinkedIn ads, conversion optimization, if you can't get Facebook or meta ads to work for the life of you, or you can't figure out attribution, web mechanics will take a good hard look at whatever problem you give them, whatever programs you put in front of them, and they will give you an objective informed opinion, plus some advice from 10 to 20 hours of senior level attention. I would suggest take them up on this offer. It's ridiculous. Go to revenuedrivencmo.com slash free. Fill out the two minute form and you will not regret it. Literally zero downside, unlimited potential for growth. So do yourself a favor, revenuedrivencmo.com slash free. No hyphens, no punctuations you'll be happy about that decision. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Revenue Driven CMO. I am your man, Chris Mechanic, with a really, really exciting guest for you here today. Uh, Our guest, I'm excited to be speaking with her. Uh, It's been a long time coming. We've been going back and forth about this for uh, quite a bit of time, but I think we've got some amazing content in store for you. She's a brilliant data-driven marketer, a wealth of experience in SaaS, ecom, startups, enterprise, you name it. Uh, she was with Cloven Hallow for a number of years, then at Dre Alliance. She's a growth advisor to Toddler uh, and also the founder and CMO of the Rocket CMO, which is a fractional CMO advisory firm that's very excited and I'm excited to unpack. But, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Ms. Lindsay Britt. How are you today, Lindsay?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Me too. I'm super excited. I love your uh, your topic and your secret. Let's share. Tell everybody listening, like, what is one of your big secrets to success?
1: Yeah. Uh, try wacky and crazy things, honestly. I think being in startups for over 10 years now, you can't make assumptions and you never know what's going to work. So uh, just to give a, a really interesting example, you always hear with marketing, long-form content is dead. No one wants to read a lot, have the short little bullet point statements, especially on the B2B side. Um, and I was working in some place. Uh, was, it was a company called Sync, I want to say, what, eight years ago? And the best performing landing page we ever had was the longest page I've ever created. It was just continual text, but the key was showing the value with that. The content in there was what people actually wanted to read and it got them hyped up and it got them excited. So they were ready to convert at the bottom or sorry, excuse me, at the top, but they kept reading because the content was that good. And I was so against trying it because it seems wacky. I mean, it's it's something that's against everything that you've ever learned. Um, so you have to be ready to test and, and try things that seem completely, um, unsuccessful or what you would assume would be unsuccessful. And I think that's what makes marketing so fun too.
0: I think so too. And I I think there's there's power in trying wacky stuff. It's fun to talk about. I I just like the word wacky. Like it's fun to (laughs) bring it up in a serious meeting. It's like, let's try something wacky. But um, if you think about it, pretty much all uh, best practices, like all things that people are doing right now, probably started off as wacky ideas. Very true. Yeah. Uh, but in B2B, especially there is this like really homogeneous, genius way of thinking. It's like, everybody does the same thing. Like it's either start a free trial or request a demo or like in the service space, it'll be request a consult. That seems like an area that is ripe for some disruption, like just the, what the actual conversion mechanism is. Mm-hmm. Um but i love trying wacky stuff uh and i i also love long form content i'm a student of long form content uh i love ogilvy so i i reread his stuff periodically but he was a big believer that like there's no such thing in content that's too long because if somebody's interested they'll read it
1: absolutely and the nice thing too about long form copy is that It's you can reuse it in so many different ways, whether you take small chunks of it and turn it into other formats. Um, but the and from SEO perspective, for sure, that helps. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's and it's easier to create now than ever with AI as long as you put in the persona data and the right prompts and you feed it the right information. It's so fast and easy to create it that that kind of barrier to wanting to create a long form of content is, is basically gone if you're using it properly.
0: Yeah, totally. And um, and especially if if most of the traffic is mobile, like mobile traffic will scroll and scroll for a long time.
1: Yeah, it's about um, how you format it, right? So you can read just even if they can read just the headlines, it can still be long, but you're still providing that value quickly and they'll want to come back to it. And it, it reminds me of going back to you. The, the conversion and the conversion methods, I mean, you can't gate content anymore. And for B2B marketers, especially, that's like, whoa, that is how I get my leads. How can I not gate content? Um, but people want to read it. And so you can do simple things like have all of that long content on for your white paper, Example, for example, have the whole content of the white paper on a landing page or on your blog, but then people will actually still sign up to download it. So you're giving them all the same information, but they'll still sign up and they can convert that way just because they want to be able to reference it later. Um, and I think we all do this. Like, oh, I, I, this is great. I want to read it later. How many times do you actually read it later? Probably very few, but you still capture that email. Um, and that's long form content. People want to read it. They It actually legitimizes you a little bit to show that expertise. Um, so it's yeah. a, it's it, that's another wacky thing, like not gating content. For, for It's scary when you haven't done that before.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm not sure where I, where I sit on that pendulum of to gate or not to gate. Cause some, sometimes I do still like to gate content. Um, though it doesn't mean you can't use it in other places ungated. True. But, uh, but I agree with you on the, um, on like the down, like ungate and download it for later. Mm -hmm. We actually had, Uh, a client who had just like a ton of really great blog content and they were getting a lot of traffic to it. And we were unable to figure out like how to convert that traffic. Like we tried putting, you know, calls to action for like, Hey, like speak with an expert or whatever. It didn't really work. We tried like, Hey, uh, sign up for a newsletter. Didn't really work. But the thing that finally worked was save this as a PDF. Yeah. So it was a save as a PDF feature. It was just asked for first name and email. And then once the user went through, it would actually take like a printer friendly version of that page and package it into a PDF. But the client got thousands and thousands of emails.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. It's It's just testing things for sure. Yeah, that's great.
0: But that was kind of a wacky idea because people were like, why would anybody save this as a PDF? But yeah. the client was in the in like a medical space, and so I think certain industries are like much more likely to either want to save things as a PDF or even print them. Yeah. Oh, true. A lot of people still like to print stuff and read it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. When I was working at uh, Jerry Alliance, a lot of it was still. It, Things that people are moving, for example, to just even digital business cards. But if you go to a conference within the transportation industry, they want physical things. They want physical handouts. So yeah, it really, like you said, depends on the industry for sure.
0: Yeah. And I think that um in terms of that conversion mechanism, there's so imagine that you're a SaaS, you have this awesome product you and your goal is to get people to do a demo of the product right Mm -hmm. but of course nobody really wants to sit for a demo like buyers like to do their research you know online so there have been there have been uh thoughts of like hey let's do a pre-recorded demo right Mm -hmm. and then you get you know your product team or you get your your engineering team or whoever to do this pre recorded demo. But the problem is, they're usually like kind of long and a little bit boring. Mm. But, or from what I've seen anyway. But what if you took your idea of long form content and pair it with the idea of not like a full demo, not like an hour long demo, but like a shorter sort of highlight version of a demo? And you come out with a video, which is like, say five to 15 minutes long. Yep. And it is infused with like direct response style copy, but is also at times flashing to the user interface and showing like key features of the product.
1: Yeah, that was um, right before I left drain Actually, that was something that the sales team and I were working on having some sort of five minute demo that you could see on the website. And if people were intrigued and they got a better understanding of what we did, then they can request a demo. Then they're more interested. You're just moving them down the funnel with a different type of content. And But yeah, people don't... When you sign up for a demo, you know someone's going to call you. You don't know how long it's going to be. You don't even know if you're interested yet. So if you can give them a little bit more earlier on, sales can be... Say, I've worked with some sales teams who may be reluctant to do something like that, but other sales teams aren't. They're actually excited by it. Um, so it's just how it's positioned. But yeah, I absolutely think doing something like that is great because you're not replacing the full demo, but you're just moving them a little bit and giving giving the customer what they want. So
0: yeah. But I love uh your concept of trying wacky things as well as direct r- or like longer form copy. And uh and I think part of the reason that it works is because there's just so much noise, you know. Like you have to cut through the noise in some way, uh, and just simply being different or looking different, I think takes you, you know, takes you a long way toward that, uh, toward that outcome of just getting attention.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm not affiliated with this brand at all, but I love what Liquid Death does. Have you paid attention to any of any of their ads?
0: No, I'm not familiar. I like the a sparkling name is-
1: water company. It's sparkling water called Liquid Death, and they do some of the craziest, most—not um, quite offensive, but could be somewhat offensive uh, ads and, and things like that. And it's it's they have such a strong following; they know their customer, and they stand out. It's it's really fun to watch what they come out with.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah, I mean, just uh, oh my goodness, their tagline is "Murder Your Thirst." Yeah.
1: yeah. Like I said, it's a borderline offensive in some places, but it, it's working.
0: Wow. That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So they have, you know, really taken that concept to a whole new level. Like who who wouldn't think to name a water company Liquid Death? Like right. that in and of itself is like, what? I need to learn about that. Right yeah. when you said it, I was like, I need to Google that.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Um But yeah, you know, wacky stuff works because it gets attention. It also, I think sometimes, um, sometimes can change the, the, uh, the economics of an equation. So for instance, like changing the economics would be like a save as save as PDF or like download this for later makes it so that all of a sudden, instead of just getting a thousand views, you're also getting a hundred emails, totally changes the economics. I think that SMS like for some reason in B2B nobody's doing SMS. Yeah. But sometimes in B2Cs like like a B2C e-com, the ones that are really smart, you know how every e-com will like hit you with a, you know, 10% off your first order pop up. i mm-hmm. I've seen a couple that that are really smart where instead of going for an email, they're going for a cell phone number. It's like put in your SMS here. And that makes a ton of sense because emails, think about noise and breaking through noise, emails get opened at like 20%, maybe 30% on a good day or 40% on a good day. But a text will get opened at like 80% on a bad day.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You have to um, be, yeah, and it's. You'll even see the ones now where you'll it'll, it'll be almost double-gated in a way where you have to enter your email and then the phone number to get the 10% off. Um, wow. And I've tested a, a Clove and Hallow specifically, but a couple of other ones too, where you can just ask for the phone number. And you just have to know before you do that, rather than ask for email too, you just have to have a little bit of data behind it to make sure that your unsubscribe rate isn't high. And again, it's about adding that value. I mean, you may want to make sure that you're you're giving them the right, type of content to their phone, whether it be an email or SMS that they want. Um, but yeah, the open, we launched SMS, um, at Cloven Hall and it was so successful. It was, it was our most successful channel by far. And the return was phenomenal. I mean, at at times it was a 20 X. So it's just, yeah, that as well as getting a little bit overwhelmed again, you have to do it right, but it's, it's exploring new channels for sure. And I, no one does it a lot in B2B though. You're right. Yeah. yeah, And I think Um, part of that too is how many people actually give their cell phone numbers and mobile numbers on B2B when you're signing up as a lead versus an office number. um, It could also be like, what what information can you get from the brands like Zoom Info and things like that and how accurate it is. But yeah, not many people are are trying B2B or sorry, trying SMS on the B2B side. Do you know of any brands that are doing it? I I know I haven't personally received any, but...
0: No, no, I don't. But uh, I bet you they will. I bet you they'll start. I'm surprised that they haven't. Like, does anybody still have direct dot? Like most people aren't even in the office every day. Yeah. And let alone like it used to be that a direct dial would actually ring on your desk. Look, I have this, this old relic of a phone here that like (laughs) still works, right? Like it still works, but I never use it. Nobody ever calls it. So like, let's, let's take a hundred percent of the population. Probably half of them, like rarely, if ever are going to the office, Mm -hmm. my numbers might be wrong. You can tell me otherwise, but the half that are going into the office, they're going like a couple days a week, like two or three days a week, but are they still using their direct, their direct dial phones?
1: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I know when you're trying Mm. to pull numbers for cold outreach, you'll definitely still get extensions every now and then, but I've never tested to see how accurate those are.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, certainly I think like maybe the C levels and the VPs are still on them, but like, I can't imagine like a director level or lower having a director. We used to have like everybody would have a phone in their office, like even the junior level people. Yeah. I love that secret. Try wacky stuff. And it sounds like we're also both taking inspiration from like other industries and applying it to B2B, which I think is is a way to come up with wacky ideas like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the easiest ways to try something that seems wacky to B two B is just taking things from from D to C or there is where people would have always used to be well, you can't do that in the B two B side, but more and more it's shifting where there's bl- definitely blurred lines between the two.
0: Totally. So, hey, I want to talk about the rocket CMO, um, but one other thing, just on long form content, because uh, I do think that the time, the timing is right in B two B for that. And I do believe that if done well, it would convert much higher than some of these shorter form pages. What was the context of that when you use long form content? Was it like for a webinar sign up or was it to sell a free trial? Like what were you selling with that copy?
1: Yeah, it was that the first time we tried it, it was definitely for a webinar, uh, trying to say like, here's here are the lessons and here are the things you're going to to learn from this. and. Understanding the context too, I mean, it was at the time marketing to real estate agents and real estate teams. And they, as a as a customer, a lot of them follow kind of Tony Robbins and things like that. So they really like to be hyped up. And so you have to tell them, okay, here's what you're going to get out of this webinar. And you list it all out and you have all these examples and like, you're going to become this and your team's going to become this. Um, and then say, from this webinar, you're going to get this and this and this and this out of it. Um, just like you're being your, their hype team to get them to sign up for that webinar. Um, but once that worked well, we transitioned that over to like, like, sign up for this demo. And once you sign up, you're actually going to get a full day of training where you can get X number of leads within an hour. And it just like things like that. It was very, it was it also really salesy, which normally I'm turned off to, but it worked really well for, for that customer. But again, it was here, are all the different things. And the more you could list out of the benefits that they were getting and the value that they were getting, the more hyped up and the more likely they were to convert.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so was it a click through to a form? Sorry, I know that's very detailed, but was no, or was okay. it visibly ready on the page?
1: Uh, it was, gosh, it was a while ago. I, it was, I believe you just had to enter an email on the first page. Um, mm-hmm. But I know at times we tested, I'm drawing a blank on what it's called, but it, where you have a multi-step form where it seems like a little less, but we never asked more than probably four fields.
0: Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Cool. You're inspiring me to like, go, you know, look at landing pages and rewrite some, rewrite a long form version.
1: Yeah. Try it out. Like I said, you'll be surprised sometimes.
0: Yeah. All right, cool. So, um, tell me about the rocket. Uh, I know that it is, um, it's fairly new and, and very exciting. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you guys do, what you're all about and, um, and what types of companies you like to work with.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, so the Rocket CMO is just fractional CMO services, so essentially part-time CMO for startups. Specifically, um, ones ranging from $3 million to about $100 million in revenue, uh, focusing mostly on B2B SaaS type of products, but also e-com. I um, have a pretty balanced background in both. Um, so yeah, it's, a, it's people who, are, or companies rather, that either know the strategy that they want, but they just don't have the hands to start implementing it, Um, or they need help with the strategy. They have a founding team who is phenomenal at everything, but they just don't have marketing background. So they just need help building that strategy, or they've done a lot of growth already with a pretty, um, low level or inexperienced team, like maybe manager level, and they're doing great, but they've kind of hit their limit. So I can jump in, um, or we can jump in and we can work there for anywhere from three to 12 months at a time. Um, and you can actually be the manager for the team, help them figure out that strategy, help them figure out what those KPIs look like. Um, But the core problems that or the challenges that the companies have when we join is either they need new customers quickly uh, because most of the companies I work for are series A and series B venture-backed companies, Mm -hmm. or they need to increase revenue from their current customers, um, or they're having trouble kind of with product market fit. Um, or it's, they, so they've gotten a little bit too far along and they really need someone to help figure out, okay, do we need to diversify our product offering? Um, what, what is our ICP looking like? Is it right? Uh, things like that. Interesting. Is yeah.
0: there, um, is there any niche within, uh, B2B SaaS that you like? Like, do you like industrials and manufacturing or like sales and marketing focused SaaS or like? HR or any any like vertical or um, type of end user that you do well with?
1: Yeah, sure. So supply chain and logistics, I have a good amount of experience with with those companies. Um, but then also marketplaces. I found that I, I've worked uh, before launching the Rocket CMO. I'd worked with two or three different marketplaces. One of my clients now is a marketplace. Um, so it's really fun to have that balance of B two B and then B two B to C as well as D to C. A lot of times they're kind of the, all three of those combined and it it keeps things interesting, Um, but I have a a good amount of experience there. Um, But those are, those are probably the main ones, but I, I I started my career as a strategy consultant. And so I've, I can pick up on new industries fairly quickly. And so I'm not limited to just those, but those are the ones where I have the most experience for sure.
0: And marketplaces are kind of an interesting niche. They have Mm -hmm. like ultimate chicken or egg problem usually. Yeah. Yeah. And it's they, one of the
1: nice things about ones you join when they have at least three million in revenue, they've at least figured out something by that point. Um, and they yeah. know which area they want to focus on or which ones they were they had been focusing on and it wasn't working. So it's a good time to join.
0: That's awesome. Very yeah. cool. So, um, so what's big on your mind? I know that uh, there's like a thousand things that go into launching a firm. Are you... Um, Sounds like you got your first couple customers already so that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are your big goals for um for 2024?
1: Figuring out how to just build a sustainable pipeline. It's basically doing marketing for my own business uh, mm-hmm. while also serving my clients. I, I think when I first started I felt this pressure to be a salesperson and that's that's not who I am and that's not what I need to do. So just building my network within marketing, well, coming up with content, building up my presence um, and then continuing to learn. I think that's the best aspect of doing this now as, as this fractional CMO, I have the flexibility to like, I'm doing training on AI because I have time and because I want to, and I know how important it is, or, oh, there's this new, just learning about the ungated content and what are other marketers doing around that? Like it is Continuing to learn and grow in ways that I couldn't when I was working full time anywhere because I just felt like any time I wasn't devoting to the business I was working for was just w- wasn't acceptable. I guess, um, especially with with the way the economy was and money being tight, people didn't want to pay for continued education, for example. So, building mm-hmm. up my pipeline and continuing to learn those are my my big goals for twenty twenty four for sure.
0: Nice. Well, congratulations! It's really really exciting. I love startup stories and um, you know, I think that in this day and age, like it's uh it's smart, you know, to start to start your own thing. And I even know people that are that have that are working full time and you know, also start something kind of on the side. I mean, it's it's so accessible these days. And like mm-hmm. starting a um a CMO advisory like that is a pretty big undertaking. But like, I know somebody who makes, who has a faceless YouTube channel that does like inspirational quotes with these like, you know, short kind of 30 second, one minute long videos. And they use ChatGPT and Canva for the most part to make like 50 of these little inspirational quotes at the same time. And they're just publishing them on YouTube. And each one that they publish makes like, you know, five or 10 bucks or whatever it is every once in a while one of them goes viral and makes a bunch of money from ads. So it's just a really exciting world that we live in.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um and it's it's sad that folks are not investing in uh ongoing training anymore. I think that's like gonna end up biting biting those folks uh in the behind at some point, especially now with like AI proliferating so quickly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's sad. I remember I've worked for a company at one point where they would rather hire new people than train the ones that they currently had. And it yeah. was it was backwards. Um, and so that's one thing too. It's nice when it I could always potentially go full time again somewhere, but being fractional, I can work with the, the executive team ahead of time and we can suss each other out essentially and see if this is, if it's a good working relationship and if they value developing their people. And if if I did work full-time somewhere, it would have to be someplace where I could continue to learn and grow and develop. Cause I'm adding more value and all the employees are adding more value to the company by doing that. So it's definitely, definitely important. Yeah.
0: You know, um, it's funny. You mentioned like marketing for yourself and building pipeline. Uh, I find that to be one of the most challenging things to do. It's like, I feel like I'm a brilliant marketing consultant when it comes to other people's businesses, but like, as soon as the, the topic becomes my own business, Mm -hmm. it's like, I'm a deer in the headlights. Like I'm, I, I'm just like this helpless little (laughs) infant again. Like it's, it's crazy. It's just weird how it works. But, um, but I think that goes to the value of a third party perspective.
1: You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's a. It, it, I remember some, I had a meeting with someone just doing networking and and building and relationships with people, and he he was like, "So you have you have a CRM for your business, right?" Talking about the Rocket CMO, and I think I was two or three weeks in, and I was like, "What already?" And obviously, if I stepped into any business, I was like, "Get a CRM set up right away. Start tracking your leads. Figure out and." myself, I was like, Oh, okay, yes, I do. Need, I do need to do that for myself. But you're absolutely right. It's so hard to, to to think about it without that outside perspective.
0: Yeah, yeah, CRM. That is um, an undertaking. But luckily, like HubSpot CRM, I think is free, they have a free version, yeah. it makes it, it relatively def- easy. Yeah. But there's so yeah, there a that no goes cases. into it. You got to yeah. integrate it with your site, you got to like, build your custom fields. Yep, it's easily yeah. something you could spend like an entire day. Like you, uh, you could evaporate an entire day, like just working on setting up your CRM.
1: Yeah, for and sure.
0: Still have a lot more work to do.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but if you do it up front, it makes it so much easier long term. So sometimes you just have to suck it up and do it.
0: Yeah, but you know, I like uh, the fractional CMO space are you looking to grow like are you looking to attract other uh cmo level folks to like be advisors with you or is it are you kind of thinking more just like have a nice book of business yourself and um and keep it keep it boutique
1: uh for right now just keeping it boutique however i'm absolutely looking for kind of partners on on different things and there are so many <clears throat> excuse me, different fractional networks and communities that are out there where we're all chatting, we're all talking, we're, we're getting to know each other. And so it's not even necessarily just, re- it, it's a referral uh, that you can get from, it helps your business grow if you're getting to know people. But if there's someone I know who's amazing at specifically a paid PPC or just like is an expert in that, I don't need to hire someone. There's a whole community of fractional people who Focus on that entirely. So it's not so much growing it from um, an employee perspective, but having those that network of partners who I can say, okay, I need to have, I need someone who has this expertise. Can you help me with this? And that brings more value to my clients too. Can I say I have this huge network of people who I can reach out to if we need to pivot and focus on something else that I may not be an expert in? So it's it's unnecessary in my mind to build out like an agency in any way or build out the, the advisory group um, but having that network though is is key to being able to really provide the value to clients.
0: Yeah, that's a smart way to do it. And you could turn that up uh fairly quickly compared to like hiring teams. Exactly. And it's like I mean it's just all benefits and no drawbacks, right? Like no mm-hmm. fixed costs, you only pay what you need. You don't have to mess that's- with Taxes, payroll, insurance—like none of that. So yeah, that's the smart way to go, I think.
1: Yeah, and it's nice too because the people you're working with want to do really well because they want you to keep referring them business. So yeah, everyone is incentivized in the right way.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So, um, so in terms of building pipeline. What are your thoughts there or like do you um do you have anything wacky planned for uh for 2024 that you can talk about like pipeline uh, you know over-wise? it's it's
1: kind of funny i i think this is wacky i am not <clears throat> customizing my content that i put out there sp- mostly on linkedin to a specific industry or to uh, I found that people try to force me to choose an industry or two or three industries that I really focus on or only B2B or only D2C. And I'm just posting what interests me. And I've posted about things happening with the supply chain and and cargo ships on the port and the ports and slowdowns there. And then I've posted about um, what's going on with uh, some sustainability issues. Um, Then I posted about parenting, things like that. And I have found that, Posting what matters to me is actually bringing inbound an, an interest to me. So even though people say, oh, I want someone who has specific industry experience, or I want you to really choose a lane, I'm getting a lot more success by just putting content out there that interests me and shows the, the value. And I find that that's kind of the opposite of what you hear is you want to post content and put content out that helps your clients. But when you're yeah. just trying to build your brand and your network... Finding people who share your values and what interests you, especially in the consulting and advisory space is just as important. And so I think I'll get there eventually where, I, okay, I'm going to put out my case study or things that show the value that I can create. But when it comes to brand building and network building, uh, it's more about, and I hate using authentic because I feel like that's being used and overused a little bit, but just showing who I am and being authentic about my interests is is providing the most value, and I'm going to continue that for 2024 for sure.
0: Nice, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That definitely makes a lot of sense. And I um, one thing that I'm going to start doing better in 2024, inspired partially by this, but also I have this uh, friend named Dennis Yu, who's just a really sharp marketer. He was on the show before, but his whole thing is uh, driving word of mouth which a lot of people think of word of mouth as like very difficult so like, like it takes many years to get it going and it's difficult to control or difficult to scale. But his whole theory, uh, and philosophy is like, make your customers the hero of the story. So that could be in the form of case studies or, you know, like otherwise celebrating your client's achievements. But most of us, when we sit down to write case studies, it's like you know the rocket uh the rocket um c m o help such and such company do x, y z by da 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 like all these things that you did. But I think what Dennis's twist is is like he really will write that case study in such a way to highlight the client and like their contribution to the mix, and he'll probably mention himself you know, um, involved in it in some way. But then that essentially gets the client to want to talk about you more. You know, like they'll like be inclined to share it because it's like, whoa, like look what our marketing team did, more so than like, whoa, look what our agency or our fractional CMO did, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's actually something that is a little bit different with fractional versus consulting or agency, because a lot of fractionals, they're Ingrained into your team, and so I think it's it's it would be more common to be like, hey, this is what marketing team of this client did, because you really feel like you're part of the team, and yeah. you're not just a consultant there for one project. You are on in those executive leadership team meetings. You have people reporting into you. You're helping to develop them. You could be hiring the next people who come in there who could. The ideal situation is they're replacing you. You're you're growing that company enough where they don't need you anymore. Yeah. And so I think it's a lot more natural to promote the client than yourself. Um, obviously you do yeah. want to include yourself a little bit. Like you mentioned, Dennis does, but yeah, that's a, that's a great tactic for sure.
0: Yeah. It's like, make your customer the hero, mm-hmm. you know, I've known about that now for a while. I've, uh, attempted to do it here and there, but I think, uh, I think that's going to be my new year's resolution is to like, tell more stories in general. Uh, but specifically making the customer the hero of that story. I think, I think yeah, it's just a good that. habit to get into.
1: Yeah.
0: But uh, I'm the worst consultant for myself. I'd love to hire you potentially um, and get some thoughts and ideas from you. And I can give you some ideas um, for, for helping to to grow Pipe and build biz. But I'm excited for you. It's um, Thank you. Yeah, it's really awesome and and really happy to hear that it's working already i mean you've only been at it a few months and you've already got clients like that's more than i can say for ourselves it took us probably like 6 months to to get our well we we had one client when we started but the second one took like almost 6 months to get
1: yeah yeah i was uh, it was right at the four i want to say the 4 month mark when the second one the one that was actually paying <laughs> the other one is is like and doing more advisory work for them so i was like okay all right, can I do this? So, yeah, uh, you hear when you start, six to twelve months is the norm. So I feel very fortunate that it was under six months to bring on that second one for sure.
0: That's awesome. Well, mm-hmm. congratulations, good for you. Uh, you've inspired me here today, and I'm sure you've inspired uh, everybody listening. So thank you very much for coming thank
1: on. You. This has been great. No, I'm, I've been having a great time.
0: Yeah. And for everybody listening, if you learned anything here today or got inspired, drop us a like or a five-star review anywhere you get your podcast. We really do appreciate that. Um, Lindsay, for folks listening that want to learn more about you or the Rocket CMO, where would you direct?
1: Uh, Therocketcmo.com is the website and you can find all the details there.
0: Love it. All right. Very cool, Lindsay. Well, uh, thank you again. This has been awesome. And um, for everybody else, that was another exciting episode of the Revenue-Driven CMO, and we'll see you next time. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us here today. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at RevenueDrivenCMO.com. That's RevenueDrivenCMO.com. And hey, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, Web Mechanics will do 10 to 20 hours of work for you for free. Literally no sales calls, no BS, just give them a problem and they will put a team to work for you for free for 10 to 20 hours, even if you're already a client. If you're struggling with demand gen, lead gen, SEO, SEM, Google ads, LinkedIn ads, conversion optimization. If you can't get Facebook or meta ads to work for the life of you, or you can't figure out attribution, web mechanics will take a good hard look at whatever problem you give them, whatever programs you put in front of them and they will give you an objective, informed opinion, plus some advice from 10 to 20 hours of senior level attention. And that's just because you're a listener of this podcast. So I would suggest take them up on this offer. It's ridiculous. Go to revenuedrivencmo.com slash free. Fill out the two minute form and you will not regret it. Literally zero downside, unlimited potential for growth. So do yourself a favor. RevenueDrivenCMO.com slash free. No hyphens, no punctuations. You will be happy about that decision.